Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is Pathfinder 307, Inspiration from Other Media. It's part of our three-unit series covering advanced topics. Christian, I'd like to say something. That's never followed by a good thing, so I guess I'm bracing myself. Good, you should. We, we need to talk. I'd like to have a chat, a conversation. <laughs> oh, is there anything worse than getting a text from, like, your boss? Uh, when are you coming in Friday? We need to talk. Mm. <laughs> I feel like that's what this is happening. All right. What, what about? Oh, I'd rather talk about it in person. Oh, okay. Usually, I don't talk about other episodes because the podcast designed in a manner that you probably haven't listened to every episode. But last episode we recorded was horror, and I want to say something about it. I felt... So good about that episode as we recorded it. I was truly proud of it. However, we had recorded it on two different days because it was long. And the second portion we recorded, I didn't feel that great about. The notes were like a year old. So I'd forgotten that the latter half of the notes weren't like organized yet. So our thoughts were presented in a, like a disjointed manner. Then I thought, oh, this leads me to telling a story that ended up not being a funny story. So how did I cover it up? I thought, oh, you know what will fix this? Telling more stories and joking to cover it up, which ended up being a spiral of worse and worse jokes and stories until the end I insulted half the country. And I just wanted to say to everyone in the Midwest, I meant every word of it. But... (laughs) (laughs) Just remind... Just remind me never to like anything I'm doing because I inevitably destroy it in my own overconfidence, okay? So if you ever see me, like, too happy, I need you to bring me down if my own mind that constantly, like, depressively attacks me doesn't do it first. Is is that my new responsibility? Is that my job title? <laughs> Caleb, Caleb Anchor? too excited. I need you to be a little angrier. Time to reel him in. It's weird because sometimes we have that... Je ne sais quoi. And after doing this podcast what? for three, that's literally, it means something you don't have a word for. That un, that untouchable something. I don't know what I think is the exact translation in French. Sure. Okay. And, and after doing this podcast, it's a thing, Christian. After doing this podcast for three years without any sort of thought to how exactly to tap into like my own talent, how to maximize my own talent. Let me tell you, I'm beginning to turn this franchise around. Rerecord right after I get up. My voice is groggy. My brain is groggy. But I notice nighttime is when we record our best episodes. Nothing left in my day. I can focus on performing and articulation. If I take in my pill that morning, I can focus easier. It's the perfect blend of tired but awake, relaxed but attentive, willing to say things I shouldn't say with no energy left to stop myself. We need, we need to figure out a way to tap into that during our recording times. I don't know, Caleb. You're insinuating you have talent. I feel like I got to reel you in. I got to bring you down from this. <laughs> this. <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> I immediately regret this decision. No, but I was really proud of our horror episode, and, and while the end was a little bit disjointed, I thought we did a really good job. The 300 series in particular, that we get to have these more disjointed conversations, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, because it sometimes brings us to stuff that we didn't touch on the notes. And I think this might be another episode. This is something that I feel pretty strongly about. I think this is going to be a good discussion. Definitely. Whenever we have nine pages of notes, you know it's going to be something. (laughs) I wouldn't write nine pages in school. And the fact that I would do it for something (laughs) that's my hobby, that means something. Uh, Well, one of us wrote nine pages. Some of them. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I need to make a promise not to make that joke anymore. Like, 
I have the ability to enjoy something to the umpteenth degree and then throw it away. Like, I'll listen to a song. I'm like, I love this song. I'll listen to it over and over again. Three days later, I've never listened to the song ever again. What? Oh, that song? So it's like, oh, this joke is funny. Let me run it into the ground. I'll make a rule. I can only do it, like, once every three episodes or something. All right, we got we got the tally. Check. All right, yeah, good. Cut. We already did it this episode <laughs> before we've done anything except the intro. Devin, cut any future is it those out no, don't. in the editing. No! <laughs> <laughs> they'll just be there'll be a sudden jump cut of Caleb's speech. Because I'm not editing, I can't control this. You found out how to fix me. Wow, amazing. Why is my scroll lock on? Who uses scroll lock? What does it do, Christian? You're a computer guy. Well, I feel like for this episode we have avoided the episode's content for long enough. Alright, fine, fine, fine. Christian, I don't know about you, but I use a lot of other people's stories and ideas in my own. A lot of times consciously and a lot of times unconsciously. I mean, definitely, I think everyone does it unconsciously. I personally tend to not do that, not because I think there's anything wrong with it, just I prefer creating something new. All right, Christian, you can say that, or you could maybe say something that would fit in well with the, the whole episode about using stuff from other people. All right, guys, we're going to do an episode about not using stuff from other media. Well, I, I just have the other side of it, Caleb. We can't just be an echo chamber. <laughs> I would prefer that, though. I like, <laughs> I like my ideas being reinforced. I mean, Why echo chambers sound really nice. It's roomy. You know, it's got good <laughs> ventilation. Actually, uh, we make a joke about that, but that's actually what I think is going to make this episode really great. So we have some sort of like opposing viewpoints. We can bring both viewpoints into this episode. Using characters is where I want to start with this. Using characters from other media. And we're going to take a look at the, both the player side and the game master side. But let's start out with the players. A huge part of role playing for me is being able to live out certain fantasies. If you don't think that one of the first character ideas I had for Starfinder was Samus Aran from the Metroid series, you're crazy. Players often want to roleplay as their favorite characters from other media. What do we think? Does that usually end out? Does that usually end up working out well? Personally, I think it's fine to make characters that are based on other media and even use the same names and character personality almost to the exact representation. You can work around small differences. For example, if you were trying to be Samus from the Metroid series, you change the Metroids into basilisks since Metroids don't exist. My goodness, I now immediately want the Metroid statted, put in a bestiary, ready to take over the world. You'd mentioned that in the, the wish list episode. Well, guess what, Christian? My opinion hasn't changed. No, you said there was like all the different types of the gammas and the alphas and other oh, yeah, Greek alphabets, I assume, omegas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, I'm such a good... Oh, man, I'm so good at this. <laughs> that, that, that's a great thing to add because that's a whole bunch of beasts you can use. Good job past me. I'm going to start off with that. Like People using literal characters from other games... Makes me angry. It almost, like, instills <laughs> anger in me. Like, what's the point? I don't get it. I enjoy creating my own character. I like making my own character. You can have a character that's heavily inspired from another story, but if you don't edit the background and the personality, like, what is the point of playing that character? What makes it your character? I was actually in a game online for a short while where someone was literally Puck from Dota. Like, the little fairy dragon actually just teleported through dimensions and ended up in the campaign, and I'm still angry about it. <laughs> Let's explore this. Let's delve into this, Christian. What made you angry about that? That sounds kind of cute. I guess it comes back to, like, I don't get other people's fantasy. Why is your fantasy to use someone else's creation and manipulate it and not add anything new to it? For okay. me, role-playing is like a cult collaborative storytelling experience but you're not telling your own story you're telling someone else's story okay but here's my question why do you care if you had not ever played league of legends if you didn't know it was from something else would you have still been mad i suppose not because i wouldn't know it was stolen but i guess if <laughs> <laughs> why do you care <laughs> on, wait, I, I, the I same <laughs> 
You're laughing because you know it's true. So if somebody gives you a gift and it's re-gifted from somebody else and you don't know, it's probably fine. But if you find out it's re-gifted, I'm sure you're going to be angry about it. Like, this, this meant something to that person. They gave it to you. This is something personal to you and you just gave it to me? I would, I'm going to love hearing you somehow tie that analogy into what we're talking about. Am I re-gifting Puck to you? Yes, essentially. Oh, no, like, oh enjoy this story. This ultimate. Get it out of my game! <laughs> enjoy this All story. Right. Enjoy this personality. It's not really mine, though. I just straight up stole it. I, I shouldn't use hyperbole in this episode where we're actually going to genuinely disagree, because it's actually a point I sort of agree with you on. Being the character who somehow got whisked away from his world into the game world is where I draw the line as well. Not that it can't be cool if the GM is cool with it. Sort of tangentially in season one, I did this where David wanted to play himself. David from our world got whisked away into a fantasy world. I think it's a thing a lot of people want to do. I know that's a little different because it is his original character giving it uh, him. <laughs> but but I, it's the same idea. Unless everyone agrees that, that would be fun to do, I think you, you might get this reaction. And the last thing you want, take it from me, is an angry uh, player. For me, when I draw the line there as well, but I actually I, I back it up a little bit. For me, what's not fine is sort of backstories that are too grandiose and assumptive for the game you're playing. For example, if I'm playing as Link from the Legend of Zelda series and saying that I have saved the world from an evil person named Ganondorf and now I have the Triforce of Courage. You have to work within the confines of the world your GM has made. There is no Triforce. Your GM has not made the BBEG, literally Ganondorf. If I were to play as Link, I'd probably say that I am the reincarnation of a famous hero of the past. And I am exceedingly courageous, never willing to back down out of fear. And then I would pick stuff that would help me versus fear effects, let's say. I think there's a big difference there. And that's a point I entirely agree with. Now we're just gonna, we're just going to agree with each other angrily, I guess, this whole time. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I'm, I'm no stranger to that. So there, there's two halves of the characters that you've presented so far, and they all happen to be from video games. Um, there's the, the blank slate type character, your Links, your Samuses, your Gordon Freemans, that need less work done by you to refactor them into the setting. I personally don't like these options because they are characters defined primarily by the items that they have and really nothing else. I find that it leads to very restrictive thinking, especially if the player is new and thinks that these are acceptable characters in a tabletop role-playing game. If you tried to play Gordon Freeman, you're just a guy with a crowbar and you don't talk to anybody, you wouldn't be an interesting character whatsoever and you probably wouldn't have much fun. You have to kind of go above and beyond what the character was represented as in, say, the original source material in a video game. This is opposed to your second example of like where I'm literally linked. That's almost like you're trying to play Anakin Skywalker, a character that is very well defined in the story arc that they exist in, but that only really exists in the chassis of the Star Wars universe. This version often leads to the pitfall of a player wanting the same events that shape that character from the source material to happen in the game, and then that's warping the game. Yeah, yeah. Speaking to the, the point you made about the blank slate characters, I think they're actually exceedingly good for uh, role-playing, because then you're not going to get the angry Christian who's like, you're literally Link. Well, because Link <laughs> is a blank slate, I can modify and make something new out of it, and entirely put whatever personality I want onto Link, since now I get to speak. <laughs> exactly you need to talk please talk if you you play one of these characters um as to having your very own story arc that is the same as the one the character went through i'm entirely in agreement with you agreement probably isn't a word but i think you all knew what i meant this is for i'd give this 
opinion for anyone who has an arc set up in their mind, period. Whether it's from a character that they've set up uh, of their own or they're stealing from something. Like playing Booker DeWitt from Bio- Bioshock and saying that I have been hired to save a special girl who can manipulate time and space. And having in my mind to go through the same character arc as Booker did in Bioshock Infinite is too far. I'm telling the GM what to do. You should let the game shape your character, not be looking for your character to be shaped into some goal you have. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is almost the antithesis of what you're trying to achieve with tabletop role-playing games. And I think that sentence is a little too definite for me. I think you can have an idea of where you want your character to go. I think the more specific you get, the less okay it is. And and the point is you shouldn't be telling your GM what to do, right? Otherwise, you're really not playing in the game's world. You're not letting it affect you as it should. If you have a good GM, or I should say certain styles of GMs, will know you, know the kind of person you are, and maybe you've talked about your character with them, and they know kind of where you want to go, and they'll throw some things in. The GM I'm playing with right now, he's been very kind to me in that aspect. He knows I like romance stuff, so he on purpose puts opportunities in there for that because he knows i like that i want to be a character like i think one of my characters i wanted uh here's a perfect example i think this actually this is this is quintessential example i was playing as a character and i and i wanted a relationship that reflected what uh characters have in uh starcraft mira han has a relationship with matthew horner and it's a really really funny and fun relationship and when i saw it, i said to myself that would be really really fun to role play so I showed a video uh, to, to my GM about it, and I'd say, if you can swing it, I would love to have a relationship like this at some point. I didn't, A, tell him, do this, or I'm not playing, right? I'm not twisting his hand. I'm just letting my GM know my intentions and what I like is fun. It's the similar vein of saying to your GM, I like dungeon crawlers, so he makes a dungeon crawler game, right? You're, you're, you're playing to what your players want. It's very different than you deciding and you hoisting that upon the group. So... To summarize for me, and it sounds like maybe for you too as well, you can say, Christian, it's cool to be characters from other media as long as you're willing to fit the character into the game, both in terms of lore and power level, and not forcing him to take the exact same character arc as he did in the source material. I agree begrudgingly. <laughs> well, that's that's the best we can ever get from each other, Christian. <laughs> uh, let's go over examples of some characters we played before. I played Guts from Berserk. I took the name, uh, except I added a Z instead of an S. <laughs> I took the fighting fighting style. I took the upbringing. The rest of it, I made myself. Uh, I, and I took Mirahan, that relationship, that personality and relationship from her, uh, from StarCraft. I played Reno from Final Fantasy VII. I just took the name and the appearance. I played Rain, and I took the name and the backstory from the Rainmaker from Looper. I played a character named Gestalt. I took the Ghost Rider's appearance and the Punisher's sort of mission and drive. I most recently played Link. From Legend of Zelda, I took the name, I took the fighting style, I took the courageous part about him, and I made him deaf. Now, uh, obviously, Link's not deaf in the game, but the fact that he only communicates in, in different noises and wells, and noises, but doesn't speak in any known language, sort of felt like I could duplicate that with a person being deaf. Deaf people can often speak in a different tone, a different mannerism, or if they're born deaf, won't be able to speak languages instead can make noises with their mouth still because they're not mute. That felt very much like that would fit with Link. And I and I have always been interested in deaf culture. I've been a part of the deaf community briefly. Or I should say, I don't know if I want to say I was a part, but I took part in. <laughs> I dabbled in being deaf, you know. <laughs> well, the the community, being deaf and being the deaf community is two different things. Um, all right, there, there's like 
to unpack what I'm trying to say, it would take a lot. Can I, can I just get the benefit of the doubt from everybody that I don't mean with the face value of everything I just said was that there's more to that and that I understand the nuances there. If you're not going to give me that, then I don't know. I guess you're just a big meanie face. But I asked my group what they thought about me role-playing as him. And they said because I had a voice in the conversation through sign language in second edition, it didn't feel like Link in some ways. I'm going to quote one of the guys here. I, I don't really remember your characters having been Link specifically, just Link-ish. That's exactly what I'm going for. That's all the feedback I got for you because then they proceeded to go down their own miniature Pathfinder 309 episode and gave me their opinions on the topic at large, which wasn't one I asked for. K thanks. Bye. So I got some good feedback doing it. I've, I've, I've never gotten negative feedback using the method here, the sort of conclusion here that we came to. I like that interpretation of Link, and that's where I think that this could be a positive thing, taking the basis of the character and then manipulating it into not just the story, but the game mechanics. Exploring sign language and being deaf as a game mechanic, I think, is a very interesting place to take a character. And I think it's something that you probably wouldn't have done without that inspiration. True. I also had a soundboard, so I kept playing a bunch of Link sounds. Yeah, it's from, yeah, it. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't know how obnoxious that is. He's deaf. He doesn't. He doesn't understand what everyone else is going through. What's what was fun about that actually is that the way we were playing second edition, we we're going through the playtest, so you level up very quickly. We spend about two sessions at a level, then we bump up like four different levels. So playing Link at level one, no one had the feet that allowed them to understand sign language or read lips. So it was, it was playing the sort of mind game, which was fun. But let me tell you, it's fun for a limited time. There's a point where that joke runs its course. What's that? Caleb admitting a joke can run its course? Weird. <laughs> but since we had to level up real quickly, people took the feat to understand sign language or read lips. And I think at that point, there was only one person that couldn't understand me. And that just worked out well. I think be careful not to just make it a fun joke the whole time because very quickly it will become a joke. And when you're dealing with disabilities, uh, having fun with them for an extended period of time can soon be insulting, I think. Worked out very well in the case that we were going for, though. But about you, Christian. My experience is very limited. I'm not saying this to, like, brag. I'm just saying I look through my folder of characters, and I couldn't really find any that I directly inspired from some other medium. Uh, just, like I said, it's not something I seem to enjoy. The closest I've ever gotten to is I've used the Helion from Darkest Dungeon, which is a very barbarian-type character. I, I use their art wholesale, and I use some of their personality traits, but the rest was completely reworked from backstory to the other half of their personality traits. Oh, can I go on for the quick tangent real quick? I don't think any of what we said here has anything to do with art. I think finding art for your character transcends anything. It was the art and then some of, like, again, not wholesale, but some of the mechanics and some of the personality from that character. I've had my players do some stuff before. In, in Starfinder, I find it more common. I think it's a bit easier to accept because we're playing in a technological world that is more akin to ours. You could have these characters inspired from more common events. Uh, one of my players played Sir Charles Prince, which was basically uh, Louis Armstrong, a full metal alchemist. He was a Solarian, and the Solarian was the sparkles around him. He was this big, jolly, buff guy. Amazing. That uh, We had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, and one of my players in my current Starfinder campaign is Query, who is heavily inspired from the character from Ruiner, the, the mass protagonist from that video game. Amazing. I absolutely intend on playing Puppy from Ruiner. 100%. And Query's a great name for it. I might steal from him stealing from that. That's, <laughs> That's actually something I wanted to ask. How do you feel about players playing other players' characters? Uh, fine with it. I think there's some weird creative... I think there's some, like, intangible etiquette, like, 
ask me first, I feel, <laughs> maybe, right? But uh, just looking at it from if somebody said to me, hey, I want to play your character Dollar High, to be like, go ahead. That sounds great. Amazing. I'm so happy I could inspire you. And if they didn't ask me to do it, well, I guess I don't really care. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking, like, you actually asked me, I had played a character once that was a Tengu, and I used some art, and you asked if I could use the name, and asked if you'd use the art. And I wasn't going to be in that game, and I said, yeah, sure. If I was in the game, I feel like it'd be different, because, like, I'm there watching you play the character, and mm. I'd be like, that's not supposed to be how it goes. No, 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 they don't <laughs> think like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, if any of you want to play Landris, don't do it. I'll hate it. Don't let me find out. <laughs> I know he's such a great character, and you all want to be him. Don't even try. <laughs> Hey, cut it. Devin, cut, edit that out. No, Devin, no! <laughs> he already met his quota. I'm, I might be with you with the fact that in front of me, I might feel weird, but I think that's because of me, not because of you. It's because I can't get out of my own head of, that's not how you're playing my character, like the worst author ever, who's like, what? The Witcher isn't supposed to be like that. Well, you sold me his rights. Go screw yourself. <laughs> yeah, pay me, is what Caleb's saying. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm you saying know. is if you ever use my character, send me a check. <laughs> Caleb, uh, you, owe, cool. you owe me some royalties for Kalu. I'm cool with it. I think there's something that the person who created the character probably can't uh, overcome, even if logically they should, uh, if you're playing it in front of them. But listen, let me put a rabbit hole. Can I tell you how uninterested I am in hearing other people's game stories? I don't need to hear, oh, I played his, I played his Dollar Hide. Let me tell you all about him. I'm referencing Dollar Hide. I don't think any of you know who Dollar Hide is. It's just a character I played. I don't want to hear it. I have no interest I flirt with danger in the party episodes when I ask everyone to tell stories because no one likes them. It's always had to be there stories. So I don't need to hear it. It's fine. All right, great. I'm very happy. Enjoy playing as Tar, the very complex character who you'd only be stealing from me and no one else if you were playing as him. I don't know. This is coming from the guy that had the 20 minute conversation about Helter Skelter was in his game and the entire character arc of the people involved in it. Yeah, Christian, this is a podcast. People have tuned in. with the, There's an implicit <laughs> agreement there that I want to hear Caleb and Christian's stories and what they say. All right? It's, oh, so you're talking about in. interpersonal, like... Yes, Christian. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Caleb doesn't like parts of personal interactions. <laughs> Just check. Christian, it happened to me. It literally happened to me three days ago now where the you, person at the checkout the grocery line store? <laughs> said to me, uh, would you like to get our rewards card? And I said, uh, no. And they said, oh, like they were taken aback. They're like, are you sure? You, you'll, you'll save some money. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> it's like each answer gets shorts. No, thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, just, he kept going, though. He's like, it's like free money. You wouldn't turn down free money. And I literally said the words, Christian. I literally said the words to him. Dude, stop. Do you know what he did? He stopped for maybe three seconds and then begun to try to have a conversation with me. How was your Halloween? What? <laughs> what is happening? I cannot be clearer. This is not some like subtext hint. Oh, you can tell in his body language. He didn't want to talk about it. I said the words, dude, stop. And he kept going. What? The Midwest is a disease. <laughs> People wonder why I stay in my house. You used to have a really like warm, friendly face, Caleb. I guess that's it. <laughs> is that it? I just, I'm just so fat. I look like Santa at this point. Oh, he looks jolly. Like in your mind, you were like, dude, stop. But in reality, you're like, dude, come on. With a big on. smile on your face. I would love it if I had some sort of disconnection in my brain where I thought I said, do stop. What I really said is, oh, tell me about your day. Like those words <laughs> literally came out of my mouth. <laughs> some kind of cognitive dissonance. <laughs>
Oh, and by the way, you, you mentioned something I want to touch on real quick. You said uh, you seem to see a lot in Starfinder people playing other characters. I think it might just be because Starfinder might be their first space sort of sci-fi game. So it's their first opportunity to do that. I imagine a lot of people who play fantasy for the first time, kind of, you're going to see a lot of picking from other characters before maybe they branch into their own stuff. I want to play Pac-Man in Starfinder. Waka, waka, waka. I guess, yeah, just a just a guy with a yellow motorcycle helmet and uses guns, but his last name's like Pac, and he's Pac-Man. I don't know why, and he sees ghosts. I would love it, though, if you made his race not human. My name's Pac-Man. <laughs> Aren't you like a troglodyte or something? <laughs> I don't know the race in Starfinder. <laughs> Let's look at it from a Game Master standpoint. Now, Game Master's using characters from other media as NPCs and such, I think they have a little bit more leeway in this regard. An NPC is entirely valid to be heavily inspired from another source or maybe even taken wholesale in some scenarios. In fact, we straight up recommended this in the horror episode. After all, people say that we don't ever really create new things. Human brains don't actually create new things. We just take things that we experience and kind of merge them together. And these two things side by side haven't been done before. And this, in our minds, is creating something new. I've heard you say this before. I think maybe in the inclusion episode. Can you explain that a little bit? I feel like I did just now. Yeah, it's a little kind of, I mean, like, it's fun. I could just say that. Humans don't sit. They just don't do it. They just put their legs together in a weird way. No! I've seen people say it. I've seen it happen. What do you mean people don't make I, new things? Make a new color. Make a new color. You're talking about what I can visibly see, a spectrum of colors that is constrained by my eye, Christian. It's not. You can see colors in your mind. What are you talking about? But you've only ever experienced no, 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 colors Christian, that you've only ever experienced you colors about? that you've seen. You think of think of the color red. Give me something outside from this. this, this no, no, this think of the color a good red. Example. This is not a good example. Come up it's with a, a great one. example. It's the perfect it's not. example. I'm telling you to explain something to me and I'm saying this isn't helping. Well, because you're not going along with it. All right, I'm thinking of red. It's really easy to think of red right now. Right, because because you've seen red before. Yes. And you can see green in your mind. But can you see a color you've never seen before in your mind? No. Why not? Because that's crazy talk, Christian. Pick something else. Because you can't create things that you yourself haven't experienced. You can't create a new emotion. I will not jump from I cannot create a new color to I cannot create a new idea. I've never seen somebody create a new color. Someone invented the washing machine, and I love it. All right? Without it, I would hate life. And the washing machine is a combination of a lot of other smaller factors that were put together to make this thing. I mean, we want to wash our clothes, and we had, you know, we used to do it in, what, how did they used to wash clothes? In buckets? Did they just have buckets? (laughs) You never seen those ringers? I guess. Sure. They had ringers and stuff. And then eventually we started, you know, the Industrial Revolution and we had gears and stuff. And we found out about locomotion and we found yes, out about Yes, look at all those new things. What are you and, talking about? And then we combined them all into a new thing. Washing machine. No, nothing about the washing machine is new, just the combination of all these individual parts that were never put together like that before. Metal isn't new. Water isn't new. Soap isn't new. Electricity isn't new. But when you combine them into something that spins clothes around at high speeds, this is technically a new thing. Whereas all the pieces making it up are not new. Where are you go- What? What is the di- this strange delineation between I've created something new wholesale or I've Combine two things, even if I couldn't name those two things, have to do with anything. Where are you going with this? You asked, Caleb. I'm explaining it. This is a because common. Yeah. This is a common. But sentiment. what does it have to do with anything? For using an NPC and being inspired from other. You're mediums. telling me I can't create an NPC that is inspired from something else. That's what you're telling me. You will always create characters that have personality traits and quirks that you have observed past. You likely aren't creating them wholesale. You're not creating them new. You're just combining different ones that you've seen before into 
a new combination. I'd be okay saying I often do that. Not all the time. I think some of the, when I find an NPC that I really, really love, it's because I managed to make something new and I can't think about how it's related to anything I've seen before. And I get excited about that because I'm happy that I've created something new. Whatever, this is weird. I don't know why it was important enough to bring up and what exactly it changes now that I, whether or not I think I can create something new or I put two things together. But let's move on. <laughs> so using NPCs kind of plays back to a point that was made in another episode about story tropes. You know what else, Christian? Okay. And this is the same thing when I was in college. I remember getting so pissed when somebody told me there was more than five senses. There's not, all right? I don't want to hear that crap. And then <laughs> we, we, it was just like the whole class devolved to me yelling at the teacher and everyone just laughing. And then like the next class was somebody said, I read the reading in the book and I want to read a line to you, Caleb. <laughs> it was something like some, some people have trouble accepting this new idea since they were taught in high school. There's only five sentences. And I knocked the book out of his hand. <laughs> I'm like, listen, there's five. One of the other ones. Every time they name one, I'm like, see, it's one of the other senses. Sense of balance. That's touch. Your inner ears touching crap. That's touch. There's five senses. If anyone of you else, and if anyone else here wants to convince me that plasma is not a thing, you're wrong. All right. I accept that there's four states of matter and only five senses. All right. I was able to expand my knowledge past three for the sen for the matter, but senses get out of here. You were talking about something relating to the episode. Continue that. <laughs> Do you have a tally for your rants? Like, is that something else that we need to put a quota for? There's not enough paper. <laughs> so using NPCs as a GM kind of plays back to a point I made in another episode where we talked about story tropes. Having a known element to your story that the players don't have to relearn is a very useful tool as a GM. If you have a juggernaut killer that appears like Jason, your players can infer useful information about him that you don't have to retell to them. This can also set you up to surprise your players when that character deviates from the material that they are familiar with, or to have that character viewed from a completely new perspective that was not shown in their original showing. Overall, I think use of characters from other stories as NPCs will always boil down to personal opinion. I think using a character from another media is fine, but similar to players using them, they can't just be copied and pasted into the world story and all. They need to be used to tell a new story. If you include Morden Solus from the Mass Effect games, it could be that character, but don't just replay his story. If you just replay the arc that Morden Souls went through in the Mass Effect games, first of all, it cheapens the story told by Mass Effect because you're ripping it off. Second, any player that knows about it is going to be completely unamused. And third, if you are, and third, it comes off as you are trying to force this story to be retold, and now you're railroading it in what I think is an unhealthy way. I think unamused is such a perfect description there, uh, but I do think I slightly disagree with you here. I think it's fine to set your NPC to replay the same character arc, long as you allow yourself flexibility if it ends up the player's actions aren't leading that way, so that you don't do that railroading. You can also do it in a more general way. I had a Riddler character who ended up going crazy because he couldn't prove that he was smarter than the players. That is Riddler's exact arc, like, every time. <laughs> and then another rule of thumb is, if you do do this, make sure that the character is either modified or appropriate for the setting. I've mentioned this before, someone I used to play under would put anime and Toho characters into medieval fantasy games, and it soured my play experience. And if I can put words in your mouth... Even mm. though, really, you Taste have your own up those mouth words. and you can explain things now. There's no reason I have to summarize for you. I don't think you're talking about having someone starkly different for storytelling purposes. But, like, having the Rugrats all of a sudden in your serious <laughs> fantasy game. 
do 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 do. Oh, it's Angelica, and she's got Cynthia in her hand. That has a lot of other problems in it, like having the right gem for your players and, and buy-in, right? Yes, it all goes hand in hand. Really, everything that we ever talk about just goes back to the questionnaire you send the players <laughs> pre-session one. Why did we even make the podcast? I pretty much agree with you on this one. Uh, I really don't put any limits on GMs for their characters from inspired by to exactly that person. I'm cool with it. I would just be sure that my players don't know the source material if I'm going to tell the same story. Maybe this is where I differ from you just a little bit here. Uh, whenever I, and it's where I thought that the word unamused was per- perfect description. Whenever I do this, I shudder with fear that someone has seen the source material and will already know what I'm doing. I like pulling characters and telling the same stories with new twists often, sure, but mostly the same. I don't do it often, not because I feel it's wrong, but only because I'm afraid my players have already seen the source material. If I know they haven't, I'm more than happy to do it. I don't think railroading is too much of a concern because it's an NPC. You already have a huge amount of control over them in their story. The only time is when any of the control is given to the players and they do something you didn't expect, and then you still do what you want anyway. There's the railroading that you want to avoid. I guess because the point was for this to be their first interaction with it. I want them to interact with Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs, or I want to run an adventure based on Zelda Ocarina of Time. But if they are already familiar with it, it kind of ruins what I want to get out of it and what I want them to get out of it. Exceptions to this are if I only want to use part of something and put my own twist on its essential characteristics. I can't tell how many times I've said this sort of sentence. I know we're all familiar with Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII, but I'm going to do something different with him, so please don't just assume you know everything about him. Please take it as you get it. That might be a key point. I want my players to just interact with it without outside bias interfering. And references they know can compromise that. And that's where it begins to leak into metagaming, where if you are using these characters, people that know them might try to use that to their advantage or might try to manipulate the story in such a way so that that does or does not happen. In fact, let me see if it's the next episode or not. Next is, oh no, next is Kingdom Building. All right. Yeah, one of our future episodes is actually going to be on metagaming. We'll talk, we'll delve more into that topic. So let's use some examples of NPCs that we have used from other media. My list is a lot smaller, so I'll go first. Uh, One of my favorites was the Hailner Brothers. What are you trying to say? What? My list is a lot smaller. Uh. No, because I don't do this as often. Like I said, I don't, I'm not trying to say Oh, you don't do it as often as lowly GM over Caleb over here. No, no, go on I'm not, with your great example. Do I, do I have Christian? to proceed everything I say with no, I'm please, not I'm not trying please. to come up as uppity. I don't steal other people's writing. <laughs> I have a mind of my own. <laughs> I love how you turned that right there. That's great. I got it, please. Uh in one of, hearing your opinion question. In one of my Pathfinder games, I had like a wrestling circuit that was basically the WWF. I had the Hailner brothers, which were like a combination of a lot of different wrestlers like John Cena and the Hardy brothers. They were mass wrestlers and they, you know, were showmen. They were very popular. But I also took from the stories I hear about wrestlers are actually very, you know, they do a lot of wholesome activities. They visit a lot of kids and they go to hospitals and visit sick children. And I pulled that too, where they went to a lot of charity events and they were seen doing these nice things for people. In that same game, I used the Red Mage from Final Fantasy Kind of a blank slate type character. I used his exact art. I described him in the same way, but he had his own agenda. He was a mercenary in effect. And in the future, spoiler alert for my players who don't listen to this anyway, so I don't care. I want to use Mask <laughs> of Hotline Miami and Starfinder. If you don't know, he is the 
character, the main character of the game Hotline Miami. It's just a very violent game. He's a man who wears like a baseball jacket, a letterman jacket, and wears different animal masks. And you just kind of go around killing people. want to use him as a villain slash NPC. I mentioned I use Hannibal Lecter as inspiration for my Helter Skelter. I took the personality. Uh, Ransom Fisher King is, I took his personality and his mission from the Riddler from Batman. I took the name from That Hideous Strength. It's a book. Uh, I have to mention that because nobody reads anymore, including me. I say anymore. I don't know why all of a sudden I took a tone like I'm better than you. I hate reading. I have a disability. It makes me almost impossible to read. I don't like books. So it was a really weird angle to go with me there when I said that in such a condescending way. I took Abathur from StarCraft's name, voice, and personality for a character. I took Red from Transistors. Wait, Red from Transistor? Where would you have heard that in Trailblazer Season 2? Took her name, appearance, and profession. Alarak from StarCraft. I took his name, his voice, and his personality. And I stole Raditz's appearance for my character. So this is going to be a really interesting case study right here in GMs using this. So I was the player where both Red and Alarak were used. I liked Red. I loved Red. I did not like Alarak as much. And I was trying to quantify this when I was writing the notes. I was like, do I actually have a point to say here? And ultimately, I think they were handled the exact same way. They were taken from their source material, but modified for the setting and didn't really have anything to do in the case of Alarak had nothing to do with Dragon Ball Z. But ultimately, I think my initial dislike of Alarak was because I don't like Dragon Ball Z. I hate Dragon Ball (laughs) Z. And that animosity carried over to something effectively completely unrelated, which is the danger of using representations from other media. It will carry over connotations your players have from that game or story. I love Transistor. It's one of my favorite games, one of my favorite stories of all time, and maybe that can be attributed to why I like Red so much. That's an amazing point. Look, I set out to teach in today's episode and said, I became the student. Uh, Very interesting because that's not something you can talk away or talk out. That's something where like your player is going to have to notice that and and fix it in themselves. And it's something that you as a GM, this happens in life. Oh man, I wish I could find the quote. There's something about like, it's not unfair that, that you can go through negative circumstances and you didn't do anything. It's not your fault. That's not unfair. That's just called, that's not justice. That's just called life. Happens all the time, and it, and it sucks a lot. Uh, like you said, I didn't do anything different. Alarak, as a matter of fact, the least inspiration from Alarak came from Dragon Ball Z. I literally just took a picture from that. That's all I took from it. And just Almost what I imagined in my mind is Al- as Raditz, I was like, oh. Like, ultimately, I like Alarak. I think he's an interesting character listening to the podcast again. I really like his arc. But, like, that initial appearance where you're like, here he is, boom, Raditz. I was like, oh, don't like this. And that, like, that was the least of what I used from, it, all of his inspiration came from the character from StarCraft. Literally nothing about him except the picture. It was from, from Dragon Ball Z. What an interesting thing. And then Red was, yeah, pretty much, there's no difference in how I approach both of those characters. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Another case study you can do at home is use an art or use a character from League of Legends. You will immediately split the table's opinions whole, completely. You'll you have people who, on one side, who are like, oh, League of Legends is fine. Other people that hate League of Legends. It's League of Legends has so many characters that you'll be unintentional all the time. It'll be unintentional. Oh, this guy oh, has yeah. a bi- his guy has a big shield. He must be Braum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I had that with my Scarecrow character. I don't even know the name because I don't play League of Legends. Fiddlesticks. Yeah, you're Fiddlesticks. I'm like, no, I'm just a Scarecrow kind of like guy. Yeah, Fiddlesticks. That's I never said the word Fiddlesticks. Why do you keep saying that? I use, going, oh, I use playing cards. Oh, you're Twisted Fate. What are you saying to me? That's not a name. That is a verb <laughs> and a an noun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, 
Why don't we move on to talk about using settings from other media? So settings. Pathfinder, by default, takes place in Galarian, but it doesn't have to. You can run your game in a world of your own creation, or you can use another world entirely from another source. Many people who came from D&D 3.5 used Pathfinder mechanics initially, but stayed in one of the 3.5 settings, such as Eberron. Eberron was a very well-like setting from 3.5. Obviously, using settings designed for another very similar tabletop RPG is very easy to implement, and I don't think there's any problem with doing something like that. Now, maybe you want to run a game in Middle-Earth. Or maybe you want to pull a setting from a video game, such as you want to use Hyrule, or you want to use the universe of Mass Effect. What do you have to consider when using these settings in this way? My opinion on it is that I think using settings wholesale is fine, and kind of the point of a setting. You can't have part of a setting, you kind of need the whole setting, you need the whole context of that place. But the real danger in my mind here is that sometimes the setting and the game system and the mechanics have to go hand in hand. So be very careful of mechanics that cannot be faithfully represented in the game system you are using. For example, if you tried to run a Starfinder game in the Star Wars universe, well, there is no faithful representation of the Force, which may cause confusion or disdain with your players because they like the Force so much. And if you thought I could bring up Star Wars and not rag on it, haha, you fools, who do you think you're dealing with? Side note, there can be no faithful representation of the Force because it's inconsistent hand-wavy nonsense that works however it needs to at the time. That just Matter of fact, Christian, I think there's the perfect incarnation of the Force just called GM Fiat. <laughs> this is the way I want it to happen. Uh, uh, look, oh, so, the, the door opens on its own. Oh, he, he shoots lightnings with his hands, but I thought that was a cis thing. Not this guy. It's a good guy thing when this guy shoots lightnings from his hand. It's different. Shut up. This is definitely because of the force and not because I made this dungeon really badly and you had to get to the door <laughs> even though you failed all your checks. Ooh, the force. GM Fiat is the force confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so the force is just George Lucas Fiat. That's why I hate Star Wars so much. The, the Star Wars is just a railroaded campaign <laughs> run by the GM George Lucas. I didn't know you hated it. I just thought you didn't see it. Both. <laughs> Can I tell you how much it upsets me when people go, well, if you haven't seen it, how do you know you don't like it? I have a limited time on this earth from what I can <laughs> gather. It doesn't look like I will enjoy it. I'm not going to waste all this time to watch all of, I don't know, fairy tale and watch 900 hours ago. Yep, confirmed. I don't like it. Please. I, I've seen the first episode. And no, I don't mean episode one. Shut up. I know the difference. <laughs> Anyway, back back to using settings. Uh, a trick that I think is great if you want to use another setting is just use the setting, but just take your story and place it in a different time period than the originating game, movie, or book had it in. That way you can have entirely different characters and entirely different forces or maybe the preceding or after effects of those forces that you are familiar with in that setting. But then your characters can't be like, oh, well, I know this is a, a character in this setting. I'm going to go find Han Solo. I want to go find Han Solo. He's somewhere in this universe. It's like, no, this is a different time period. Shut up. I straight up agree with you. And a lot of times you may actually find that the setting you want has its own system. There is a system for Star Wars if you want to play in the Star Wars universe. When using materials from different cultural backgrounds, there's a real world negative concept called cultural appropriation that comes into play. Cultural appropriation, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, is 
Quote, the act of taking or using things from a culture that is not your own, especially without showing that you understand or respect this culture. I think you have a ton more leeway when it comes to what is and isn't cultural appropriation in tabletop storytelling, because you have the ability to create something new that does not have to conform to the reality of the culture or the situation. If I want to make a land in my world that is all the tropes of Japanese culture and the land of the ninjas, etc., I can. I'm not calling it Japan. I'm not trying to reflect actual Japan. It's something wholly its own. It's the only place like something that can exist. Antioch in season one was inspired by Japan in some ways. It was a starting point that helped me identify how they act and I was able to expand on it. The empire in my world is very much based off of Rome. Help me with their garb, government, titles, such as having their army broken up into legion. And then I can expand on that. A lot of that is not affixed true to the way Rome actually was. It was fixed more to the idea, the idea Caleb had of what Rome was. If I want to mix first century Roman cultural with feudal Japan, this is the place to do it. If I want to make a realistic cultural equivalent of Japan, then I can. And it's a great way to convey a message as a storyteller. It's the difference between including another culture and making a story about it. For example, I talk about the Native American culture through cat folk in my preseason. The most ignorant, and I'm not using that in a derogatory way, the actual definition of not knowing something, representation of a real-world culture or a jumble of cultures is a new thing and ceases to be a common on any real-world equivalence. So the, the line, as it were, is farther away, but you can still cross it. Having an African-inspired culture and make it fill with nothing but buffoons and losers and piling racial stereotypes on top of it is crossing the line. A good litmus test might be to ask yourself, if one of my players was a part of the inspiring culture, would they be hurt by this portrayal? We did an episode on sensitivity respect and one on inclusion that goes more into this if you're interested on more info. Now, honest question on this, Caleb. If you have this land that is potentially an unhonest portrayal but it's not really japan it's really this other place it's not really i'm not representing africans here they're they're flambolians isn't that kind of like blackface in a sense you're, you're saying that you're representing something potentially unfaithfully but just saying well it's you don't think of that thing that i'm clearly drawing inspiration from this is something totally different how, how dare you think of that real world thing yep and i think that's where you're where, where i said you were crossing the line i think the line is farther away but you can still cross it first off to your blackface example i think blackface is rooted in there are black people that can portray this role but we're not letting them do it instead we're letting white people do it and then just making them look in their opinion like black people the case here isn't that there's real asia here that wants to do it and i'm taking away asia's job by having no one's being affected by me picking a different culture in my show like that it's a little bit different than blackface uh but the second part of your of your question uh yeah that's where you go to when you call it bunga bunga land it's a bunch of buffoon black people and you you describe them as the most insulting language that anyone's ever used to describe a black person yes we've gone too far now i know you're just making fun of black people and trying to get away with it it's a lot of this is the weird you can't put down rules that's why i didn't put a list of rules here uh, i think a lot and more and more i'm learning this there isn't just a list of rules it's how we can apply things here on this podcast where we try to talk about topics and give you lists of rules how to live your life by do your podcast your, your oh my goodness words here on this podcast where we 
try to give you rules on how to run your stuff. Uh, I can't give that to you, but I think you could definitely feel. That's why I kind of gave that litmus test example to try to help you suss out where that point is. My point here is it's farther away and that you can have places that, that don't exactly reflect the inspiring cultures. And it's okay here. Caleb, if there's not an assigned set of rules, how can I power game the system? <laughs> And a lot of this here is I'm talking about a subject that I have maybe not very different, but opinions that I have not voiced and probably will ever voice on the podcast about appropriation and things like that. I'm not voicing it. I'm talking about it as it applies to here in the game, uh, not my sort of my opinions on it in uh, in the world as it as we are now. Well, some about telling the same story from a setting. T- telling the same story. Mm-hmm. I I personally I don't get it. I don't know why you'd want this. And this comes back to why do you play tabletop role-playing games? And for me, it is a cooperative storytelling experience, and I want to create something new with my players, and I think they expect the same from me. So as a GM, I wouldn't want to do it because I don't think it's what my players want. And as a player, I wouldn't really be on board with that. Do you think people would have fun, say, playing through Lord of the Rings story as the main characters? Having one person be Frodo, one person be Gandalf. So, like, my player character is Sam. Right, yep. I don't think so. I don't see how that would be fun. I mean, maybe if it's a new story, maybe if you're being those characters, but like from the get go, you don't have to tell the same story. I think that'd be okay. But if if you're saying being the same characters and going through the same challenges they go through, I don't understand that whatsoever. Interesting. Because what what if you what if you fail? You could fail. They succeed at the places they succeed. You could succeed or fail at those places. It has to be a new story. Interesting. I I can envision a a group, a role playing group that wanted to go through a story that they all enjoyed together because they really enjoyed that story. And I'm just finding it very interesting that there's 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 a whole different category of people like you who are like get that as far away from me as possible. You would never join that kind of group. I think both groups are completely valid. I'm with you. I don't have much desire to tell the same story. I think unless you had buy-in, like total buy-in, the players would quickly deviate from the story. I've taken general story structures, though. Season 2 of Trailblazers was heavily inspired by the Novacom saga of the audio drama Adventures in Odyssey. There's a lot of story beats that are same. There's a few scenes that are almost close to direct ripoffs. I would submit if there was total buy-in a la Lord of the Rings story with the players Gandalf, Frodo, etc., it could be fun. But as a GM, without that buy-in, I wouldn't go any farther than taking certain story beats. Hey, I'm Gandalf. I call in the eagles to take us to Mount Whatever. Story over. Yep, definitely not a game that you'd be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I would I'm love, a, I would I'm love a, that I'm a level everyone 15. spends hours setting up all their characters, making it, setting up. Guys spend like nine sessions at a time getting everything ready. So we're going to play the game. You get started, and the first thing you do is you ruin the game. All right, eagles, we're done. Uh, oh, I, know, I know where the ring is. Come here. Hey, hey, come here. Let's go, Baggins. <laughs> Let's go. We're going on a trip. How come I'm a level one halfling commoner and Caleb's a level 15 wizard? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Let's finish this episode up talking about references. I have been trying to put into words and systematize something that I've only ever been able to determine by feelings. When references work and when they don't, as well as the interplay between references, homages, and stealing. Is it an homage, straight-up theft, was it funny, was it worth inclusion? All sorts of questions have come to my mind whenever I make a reference. It's especially concerning to me because I'm creating a podcast. In that case, am I, like, stealing another podcast thing? Especially if I don't do it as good as them? It feels like stealing, but is it, though? Cut. Hard cut, Devin. (laughs) 
<laughs> hard cut very different than a soft cut <laughs> like get the first get the eh, and then cut immediately <laughs> So I'm trying to figure out why do I feel good about some and not others. A joke in a podcast I listen to is that they have a place called Fantasy Costco, where the players shop for magic items. If I say Fantasy Costco in my game, it feels like theft. However, I've had in my game Fantasy Dipping Dots and Fantasy Hot Dogs, and that didn't feel like that to me at all. But is that just because Fantasy Dipping Dots, that joke flew, and whenever I said a fantasy store, that joke didn't? I said Fantasy Costco, and everyone didn't think it was funny. What about trying to homage saying exactly fantasy costco and i understand and i want to get this out of the way before we even continue because it'll block us at every turn origination versus popularization yeah but adventure zone didn't invent putting fantasy in front of analogous things in our games yes i get that but they did popularize it but they did popular popularize say that word for me christian popularize but they didn't popularize it in a they did but they did popularize it in a very popular media Especially with a famous store. It's a very is, specific thing. Is this what the Google little microphone button above the word feels like? It doesn't feel good. I feel used. Oh, please. How many times have I had to, had to do that for you, Christian? <laughs> I'm really surprised I can pronounce it, honestly. Well, here's the difference here. I always edit those out. But now that you made a joke about it, Devin has to leave it in. So everyone's going to be like, oh, Caleb, he always has to ask Christian for No, it's the other way around. No! <laughs> They'll never know, Caleb. <laughs> I'm the grammar master. I don't know if it's, if it's with an ER and AR, though. Yes, somebody may have done it first, but a lot of times what's more powerful is the person who popularized it. And even then, we were just arguing over who am I stealing from. So anyway, same jokes made on other media feels like theft, especially if I don't do it as good as they do. It feels like I'm trying to recreate lightning in a bottle. I put a half ogre, a fighter, and a red-eyed elven rogue in bars sometimes to reference the first actual play I ever watched because that was their party comp doesn't really matter to anyone else. It matters to me. It's a little reference that I, when I describe a bar, that means something to me. That doesn't feel like stealing at all. That feels like an homage. Stealing stories, characters, most of the advice I gave here is for home games. And it's been a hard transition for me to realize and adapt my storytelling from the private to the public medium. I'm publishing something and it feels like theft to take things. Even as basic as names from other media. I know I'm coming off as pretty self-absorbed right now, so let me extend an olive branch. You know what the greatest difficulty is in publishing an actual play podcast? It's that there's 10,000 others. There's a lot of people who consider making their home game an actual play. Chances are more than a few of our listeners are having that thought themselves. In fact, and I could in no way plan this, we wrote these notes however, however long ago. Just yesterday, two separate people said, yeah, I'm thinking about recording my game and putting it in a podcast. Now, here's something, Christian. I still am coming off as pretty self-absorbed right now from Bill Burr. But you didn't know it, so it worked. This proves my point earlier, as long as they're not familiar. I also still, I think I'm turning this franchise around from him as well. You didn't even know it. And now I feel robbed. Now it feels bad. <laughs> I've proven my point. It's, it's like you cheated in a relationship, and then you tell them later, like, yeah, the relationship's fine, and they never find out. But then you find out, and it's terrible. It's not a good thing. <laughs> If someone See, finding out something is what makes it bad, then it's a bad thing, Caleb. That That's my opinion on it. That seems great. Disconnected is just a general rule. Doesn't feel, I don't agree with it in what we've talked about here. 
But anyway, to sort of finish off this thing, I've incorporated things from other people into my parlance. Oh my goodness, your stupid thing about nothing being new come in. I hate this so much. Yes. Uh, I'm bathing in it. Uh, Turn the heat up. No, nothing is new. You're just taking two things. No. (laughs) All this means is that you're bad at writing notes and should have been down here instead. Anyway, (laughs) I often incorporate things from other people into my parlance. But when I use it in real life, it feels fine. It's not always conscious. Sometimes it is. But when I use it in record form, it feels like property theft. Is it, though, is an obnoxious example. But it's often a little more subtle than that. And it all comes full circle. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> I think you mean I'm amazing at writing notes, Caleb. <laughs> that was called foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, I see. Let <laughs> me add that here. Not just homages, not just theft. So anyway, I, I've been unable to, to to systematize and figure it out, but that's sort of how I've been able to parse through it a little bit. It's harder when you record, but I think for the home game, references are not only cool, they're unavoidable. We're all inspired by other media, and we use bits and pieces of it all over. I use names for my favorite pieces of media all the time. Here's a quick small list of like a tenth of it. Arcturus Megs, Edmund Duke, Tychus Finley, Valeria Minx, Guy Montag, Alan Shazar, Semir Duran, Dark Trooper, Alarak, Alderis, Abathur, Jonathan Wither, Augustus Frost, Jet, Jonas, Link, Novaterra, Sophia Lamb, Yisu Chong, Tassadar Zeratul, Keepers, Malganus, most of my PCs. And I just noticed most of these, or almost all of these, are from StarCraft or WoW, uh, which, again, I can't say this enough. I don't play WoW. Don't know why I've taken so much from it. And that's not mentioning the ones that are plays on names. You do play Hearthstone. That's true. But boy, I need to stop. It's just so much you money really to play a game. It's not as much fun as I'm putting money into it for. L- let me uh, quickly rag on another very popular thing. <laughs> Star Wars wasn't enough to alienate our audience from you. What, Alan? Pokemon? Let's talk about Pokemon. Uh, I think it's pronounced Pokemon. According to my parents. <laughs> but something I just thought about now, and I wanted to, to pitch to you to see what you think. We often talk about things from the perspective of, of running home games. Occasionally, like just now, I insert a little bit about what it's like to, to publish a work. But what about Pathfinder Society? We don't talk a ton about the perspective there just because we don't have that experience. How does the topic of inspiration from other media apply to people who are running or playing in Pathfinder Society? Do the same rules all apply? So from the GM perspective, Pathfinder Society, you're always running a pre-made campaign. So in terms of story elements... Oh, Uh, The GM doesn't really have to worry about that. When it comes to the GM portraying character personalities of these pre-made modules, they can borrow personalities from popular media, and I think that would be fine. But if you show up to a Pathfinder Society table and I'm another player sitting down with my original character and you slam down Batman and you're doing a bad impression, I'm going to think you're a butt munch, personally. I'm not going to enjoy your presence. (laughs) I'm going to assume you're not a cool guy and you're talking in that voice. It's not fun. It's a bad impression. Batman wouldn't do that. He's not lawful good. Let's start that argument right oh, now. Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Great. You've just, like, ruined my entire episode, Christian, because you just had me have a thought here. We just spent all this time talking about exactly how we feel about references and all that, and I made a pretty strong case for long as nobody knows. And I just thought you just represented the two sides perfectly here. As a GM, if all of a sudden I'm talking like Christopher Walken, maybe my players are going to laugh. Or if I make a reference to something that people like or enjoy, just like, say, in season two, I had a voice, a character whose voice was off of Morty from Rick and Morty. People laughed. They enjoyed it uh, because they knew the reference. And this whole podcast, I've been saying, as long as they don't know the reference, it's fine. So, And you do a good impression, which is important. If you do a bad impression, don't do it. If you can't... <laughs> If you can't do a British accent, don't try to be Tracer. 
Oh, I, I don't loves- know. I, I wouldn't say my Christopher Walken is mm, great, but people <laughs> enjoy it. I, I wouldn't say it's good on any level, really. Any cons- <laughs> measurable or conceivable level, but people still laugh. So they, first off, we're reinforcing what I've said earlier, that you can't make tangible rules. Things are so admired in context. So, because I don't care how good you play Batman, it's lame. Maybe because Batman is so perfected in the medium he's in, it feels weird when other people do it. Or maybe because he's perfecting something that people often do wrong, which is the dark brooding loner. Like, it's good for Batman. I find it very difficult when I've seen it in Pathfinder games. Oh, man, we've sort of undone some of what I've said. I don't like Christian. I guess you're going to, there's some difficulty there that I can't explain when references are, are, well, I guess we're just fitting what I said where I'm still trying to figure out the deal with references and and when references are cool, when they're homages, when it's theft and when it's a cool reference and when it's a reference, everybody's like, please stop being Batman. You're not going to be Batman. And our full circle has been encased in another full circle because this comes back to what you opened the episode with in that we're completely going off the notes right now. We ran out of notes and now we're just rambling on. (laughs) true because i thought of it while you're talking christian it's dynamic i was wondering why you lied the word pathfinder society was already on the notes you're like you know what i just thought of (laughs) (laughs) no i wrote that down while we were (laughs) also it allowed me to have a 10th page that has four words on it so now it's 10 pages long So we've lied again. There's so many lies. I think that last bit was specifically about Pathfinder Society, though, in that there's less player buy-in. You're actually with a bunch of strangers. So without that buy-in, it becomes a more dangerous and I think less useful thing to do. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely the, the point there. We talked about how important it was. A lot of the differences between our opinion was whether or not every single person at the table would buy into it. You just don't get that in Pathfinder Society. And forgive us for not talking about it all the time. We're going to be doing an episode on it. In fact... I'm going to be playing my first Pathfinder Society game here coming up in a couple months. I'm going to. I guess it's a good time to talk about this. And I want to talk about the struggle with this as well. Because today's episode has been all about talking about struggles that no one cares about. I've tried to keep it where we don't advertise in the podcast for like other stuff coming up just because i don't i don't like it i i don't i don't want it to age i want things to be ageless and if i say in three months i'm doing a thing well after three months that becomes aged and this thing will last it will be consumed more in the infinite amount of time than in three months but in this case i'm going to make an exception and i guess it kind of fits in well because i'm cool with promoting our other episodes we talk about even today we talk about we reference two other episodes you can go ahead and listen to so i am going to be doing an episode coming up soon uh episode how to what did i exactly call it how to podcast coming up in the three series called how to run a tabletop gaming podcast and the reason i'm talking about now is because i'll be recording it live at lodgecon 2019 so so saturday february 9th if you go to lodgecon you can come and attend that panel and you can be in an episode of pathfinder academy if i figure out how to mic the audience Otherwise, I'll just be making jokes and there'll be silences and it'll just seem like every joke I made didn't land, (laughs) which will be then then I'll just have to put in a canned laugh track. But isn't that in the Midwest, Caleb? In fact, it is. Mm. Uh, But it's near Chicago, which is its own ball of wax there. So let's not. Come on. (laughs) I have a feeling I would never say to anyone, dude, don't. I'd be like, just, okay, I haven't shot today. It's been a good day. I'll take the reward card. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) everyone's just printing their guns all the time well encased in both advertisements contradictions and lies we would like to thank you for listening to our podcast listening to this episode thank you all for listening class is dismissed pathfinder academy is part of the trailblazer network for other great rpg podcasts visit our website tblazer.net want to get in touch email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at TBlazer Network. This episode was edited by Devin Tonnell. This is Johan Martins. Thanks for listening.
oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just getting ready to carve the turkey and enjoy ourselves a nice Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can find Trailblazers on iTunes. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, get yourself a slice of turkey, pass the mashed potatoes, grab some dice, and join us. You know what, Christian? This year, I'm thankful for you. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful that this ad is finally over. Yeah, everyone else probably is too.